would say spiritual direction is like any other means of grace. There's nothing magical about these things. It's along the lines of journaling, fasting, scripture memorization, whatever it takes for us to open our hearts to the Lord and allow him to work on us it is a conscious act of surrender. And so for many of us, having somebody else with us in that journey can help us open our hearts a little bit more. I see spiritual direction along with all of these other means of grace. They themselves are not, that's not the ticket. It's just what is going to help us open our heart and say, yeah. okay, God, I'm open, do surgery. When I started the podcast, and I say this all the time, when I started the podcast, there were several guests I had in mind where I was really excited to get them on so people can just hear their expertise, hear their point of view, hear the things they're passionate about. And I think the Coastline staff, we've all been prolific on the podcast. And with the past series, you know, I was able to bring in other pastors from other churches, which was so fun. But there are people in our congregation yep. who I've been holding space for kind of just letting other people come on to warm up the seat, so to speak. And the person on the podcast today, I mean this with all of the sincerity in my heart, hand to God. This is a person who I've been wanting on the podcast since day one. It's somebody who is not only brilliant, not only so good at what they do, but somebody with the relational engagement with the whole team, the whole church, so many people in our community that people are just going to be so excited to hear from them. And so I brought Garrick on to, to, <laughs> to be to be my support staff here so I don't geek out too much. Yeah. But with us today to help talk about one of the specific things that we are offering in this layer series, which is spiritual direction, we have, I would say, one of the South Bays, one of Biola Talbot University's shining alumnus slash shining star star. Yeah. Alumnus slash star. That'd be a great thing to put on like a name tag <laughs> alumnus slash star. We have Susan Johnson on the podcast. Hello, Susan. Hey, hey. Susan. What a treat. Oh my gosh. Hunter, I am just cringing. <laughs> okay, thank you. That was very kind, but also I'm cringing. Like that was a little over the top. No, it's not. Not for you, Susan. <laughs> it is. We're going to talk about spiritual direction a lot today. I even had a conversation with a congregant this past week at church and they were still kind of like, what is spiritual direction? I know that we're going to be talking about it more. I just have never really heard anything about it. I haven't heard much about what it is, how it's different than therapy. So I think this episode is needed, especially Garrick, if you're from the pulpit, going to be encouraging people to engage in this. Yep. We want to give them as much information as possible. And so that's why we came to you, Susan, to jump on. You've generously given your time. But before we jump into this idea of spiritual formation, spiritual direction, I want to hear about you. Who are you? Where are you from? Give us the bio of your life and then tell us about why you were the person we called about spiritual direction. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, so St. Andrews was my home and I accepted Christ at Campus by the Sea. Catalina is very dear to my heart. Wow. Um, and some of you that do know me, you may be familiar with the work that I did when I was at Rolling Hills Covenant Church. While I was there, I was there almost 20 years, but while I was there, there came a point where I realized I needed more theological training. I wanted to participate in some of these biblical conversations, and I, I just felt like I need more knowledge. 
And so I started really thinking about, I want to go to seminary. Mm -hmm. And before I did that, I found a program that Evie Free Fullerton was offering about spiritual formation. It wasn't about spiritual direction per se, but they had a spiritual direction component. And with the encouragement of some friends, they said, you know, you should apply to ISF. But that's the Institute of Spiritual Formation at Talbot Theological Seminary. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just give it a go and see what happens. And I was accepted. So it was one of those occasions where God kept opening doors and I kept like, okay, I'll keep walking. I'll keep walking because you're opening more doors. So that was back in 2012. Took me five years and I graduated with a master's in spiritual formation and soul care in 2017. So right now, I currently serve as adjunct faculty at Talbot. I lead cohort groups of graduate students as they go through a series of three spiritual formation classes that are required of everybody, whether, whether they're getting their MDiv, their THM, counseling degree, whatever. They all have to take these classes and I work with the students to help them process the information so it actually is penetrating into their heart personally and not just staying in their head. Um, so we practice relational skills. I took one of these. I was in a cohort. That was my time at Talbot and it was, it was enjoyable. It was a space that was really fun because, and Susan, I'm sure they love you because you have to facilitate a lot of community with a lot of different people. Yeah. I commuted to Talbot. I went to Biola undergrad. I didn't feel like, you know, super eager to be there all the time. I was like, I'm just back at this place. I spent so much time and money. And my cohort leader was really good about connecting us and saying, you're going to get out of this, what you put into this. And it ended up being a really valuable experience. People I still talk to to this day were in my cohort. A lot of great retreats up at Hilltop. Mm -hmm. So um, I hear what you're doing. Retreats. Yeah, I hear what you're doing. And it's very valuable. And let me ask you this. When was the first time you heard about spiritual formation? I'm going to guess like 2010, 2011. And it was through Joe Storr, who was mm -hmm. a friend of mine who was at Rolling Hills Covenant. And actually, Joe Hanley, who used to be our pastor of missions, he is the one who got us into EV Free Fullerton. You know, God uses lots of different people to kind of open doors for you and kind of push you along. Hey, little sheep, I want you to go over here. And the first time you heard about it, no part of your brain was like, well, that's what I'm going to do with my life. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> what was the plan? You go to a seminary and just have more of a theological education and then keep working and doing what you were doing at Rolling Hills? Absolutely. I just wanted, I just wanted more knowledge, not realizing what I needed mm. was more intimacy with God. Garrick, as a pastor, does that resonate with you? This idea that you go to seminary, you get into the, the you know, the pastorate to be kind of the public theologian. So, some would say like the expert in theology of a church, but then you end up having to do so much relational stuff. It, does that experience resonate with you, what Susan just mentioned? Oh, for sure. And I think that's part of the reason why they, <clears throat> over the years, I mean, I was there years before Susan even went. And even then they had a class that everybody had to take. And then they they formed it into now three classes. And I think they did that because the importance of, you can get a lot of head knowledge and understand theology, but it doesn't help people if it doesn't live in your heart. And you're actually not helping people develop in Christ if you're not teaching them how to take something that's true and really place it in their life. So the, the language I forget, the, the, the way Susan framed it, in my language, I would say that she's working so that it moves from like just from your not just from your head, but like, how do I embody this truth? And so many people that are learning theology, that's what they desperately need. Yeah. And I don't mean to be funny with this question, but like the way that Susan frames this all, doesn't it kind of scare you as a pastor? 
when you have people who are really gifted in specifically bringing it from the head to the heart into like embodied action, it makes me like, oh boy, what am I here for if, if they're the ones doing the real work? No, I, I think I think maybe in an earlier year, yes, but I think the longer you're in this, the more you realize I am just part of God's process of developing mm. his people. So that's more of my ego than anything. No, it's just, I think we all just have to address that and you're I'm really thankful for people who are really skilled yeah. to help us because not one minister can do it alone. It takes the whole community. That's been coming up a lot, especially with the Surviving the South Bay podcast about the diversity of the kingdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm really thankful. And this is a, just an interesting way of thinking about this. But someone did see that the need to embody the truth that you see in scripture, it does function a little bit like to do that is outside of the church, right? Like you have spiritual direction, which can be within a church, but also outside of a church. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a little bit where I want to go next, Susan. So you now fast forward to 2024, you run a, what you would call like a spiritual direction institute, a group, a, how, how would you describe South Bay Soul Care? South Bay Soul Care. So it's just a, a group of colleagues, okay. a group of other ISF trained spiritual directors that we all have a common passion and we want to bless the churches in the South Bay. I have friends that are in lots of different churches in the South mm -hmm. Bay, you know, in the river and King Harbor and Remembrance and different Lutheran churches and Rolling Hills Covenant and, you know, St. Andrews. So my mm -hmm. experience and where my friends are, are all over the South Bay. And back in 21, when we were in lockdown, I mm -hmm. started looking and saying, okay, Lord, what have you given me? What are my loaves and fish? And I'm like, I've got a seminary degree and he's put me in the South Bay for a reason. I'm like, I don't want to just be contributing to one church. I did that for almost 20 years. I want to bless everyone in the South Bay. I want this whole community to come to know Jesus as their savior. How can I contribute to that? And so that was kind of the impetus that led me to start South Bay Soul Care. And I grabbed three other graduates that I knew were living in this area. And I said, here's my vision. I don't want this to just be affiliated with one or two churches. I want this to be kind of a regional thing. What do you think? And they're like, oh, we're all in. And so it's like, we're just kind of a, a loose kind of group of trained spiritual directors that want to meet the needs of Christians and seekers alike and bless the Christian community and hopefully make Jesus name great, as Michael would say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome because it's not just pastors. I think you hear like it's spiritual direction. It's to suss out the spirit. And we'll talk all about that, you know, what it's supposed to be in your life. And I think that there's a part where I hear that and I think, oh, that's just for leaders in the church who really are helping me guide. And you would, you just shook your head. No, it's yeah. for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it is for everybody. Actually, the leaders are the ones who also need it and probably have the least time to do it, but they also definitely need a safe spot where they are heard, where they feel that there is no judgment, where there is some safety for them to also voice their wonderings about God. I mean, pastors hmm. even more so because they are falling in love with their congregation and going through whatever the different con congregants are going through. So many more questions, so many deeper questions like, God, what are you doing? How do we get on your page? How can we remain faithful to you here and now? So pastors, absolutely. But everyone has those same questions. We all go through seasons where it's been great, and then it's plateauing, and then it's dry, and we don't know what's happening, or we've got transition, or something just is unexpected. Mm -hmm. And it's like, who, who can I talk to about this? And I need more than 40 minutes. I might need to talk about this for a while. And that's where I feel like 
practically, spiritual direction can be a real asset to any church and come alongside a pastor and say, we would love to journey with your people for a while, as long as it takes. Hmm. Whereas a pastor may be spread thin and couldn't meet one-on-one with 200 people. What is spiritual direction? Like, define it. What do you mean when you say that? And then when you tell people you're a spiritual director or you navigate in this stream, what are some common questions that come up that our listeners might have that you can just answer? I'm a member of the Evangelical Spiritual Directors Association, as are the others that are part of South Bay Soul Care. And that is for ethics reasons, so that it's an ethical body Hmm. that actually gives us oversight in addition to the supervision that we put ourselves under. But they define spiritual direction this way, and I like it. Spiritual direction is a safe place to explore your questions and concerns about your life with God. A Christian spiritual director is a trained listener who will accompany you as you share about your spiritual journey, helping you to notice God's presence and activity along the way, as well as your personal reactions and responses. So basically, everything in life could be something that we need to pay attention to. God, what are you doing here? And how am I responding to what I think you're doing here? Hmm. What are you inviting me to? Where are you? It's a great definition. That's helpful. And people hear that. And what are their first questions? Like, when are they like, what do they say? You know, I, that's that's where I'm at. Because I, I, like I said, I talked to a congregant this week and they had questions and I didn't even know how to answer them. And so when you tell people that, I, I am really curious, what are the most common things that you hear back? Okay, so commonly they'll ask, okay, these three questions, then I'll go through them. The first is, are you a counselor? Is this like therapy? Mm-hmm. And then the next question is, well, what happens in a session? Like, what do you do? And then lastly, the most common is, why is it called spiritual direction if you're not directing people to solutions or fixing their problems. Hmm. First question, are you a counselor? Is this like therapy? Um, It's very different than therapy. I'm not coming up with a diagnosis or a treatment plan. I'm not trying to fix or make suggestions on how to cure anything. And this may frustrate some people initially, but it can also be a huge relief. Um, Often we're not ready to hear a solution until we know our hearts have been heard with dignity. Um, I'm a huge advocate for Christian therapy. Both my parents are MFTs Mm -hmm. and I go to therapy. So many times I'll even advocate that the people that come and sit with me, I may say, you know, this is a topic that would be perfect to explore in therapy. I know what I'm trained for and what I'm not trained for. And so I might say, let's dual track this. So that happens a lot. And in therapy, people, I don't know, commonly they'll go to meet with somebody maybe once, twice a week. In spiritual direction, we meet every three to four weeks, and that's intentional because I'm hoping that people are going to attach more to the Lord than to me. In therapy, there's some there's some reasons why you want to meet very frequently, and mm-hmm. I'll let Megan talk about that. <laughs> but I'm hoping, again, that they're going to grow increasingly to the Lord and not attaching as much to me. And God does a lot of work in between our sessions. I love that. I love going, wow, you're always at work in people's lives. I never realized that, that there's this space for a reason so you can put more on God and you can let him. That's fascinating. I have found in, in kind of my spiritual direction that I do that truth to be so surprisingly powerful that I sometimes come in and I go, wow, it's already been like three weeks. And sometimes I haven't even really thought of like, oh, my time is coming with my spiritual director. I want to talk about X, but we'll begin to get in. And then it's just there. It's just so easy to go like, oh, here's what I've been thinking about and processing. And it's just right in front of you. And there is 
a lot that has happened in those couple weeks, even if you're not mindful of it. When people come to you and you say, we got to dual track this, Mm -hmm. are they like, no, I didn't come here to dual track. I came here to talk to you. Oh, I had someone say that to me two weeks ago. (laughs) And this is fine. I mean, if they're having some resistance, that's okay. I mean, I can revisit that, Mm -hmm. but I can also say then, you know, I have some, some limitations. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to take you into the, the deep history with you and your dad, but I can take you to some other places. So you know, God will create, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the master counselor and he is guiding people. He's guiding each of our conversations. And so I believe that if therapy is the way that God wants to take them closer to himself, he's going to continue to give open doors and help people kind of warm up to it. And I do, I think sometimes people come to spiritual direction because therapy can be a little scary to them for some reason. And that's fine. I mean, I so I'm such an advocate for therapy. So if they're using spiritual direction as a stepping stone, mm-hmm. that's fine. It's all for healing. It's, it's all, all for, for the growth. It's yeah. all for seeing God as being powerful and merciful and healing and and helping us to learn how to trust Him. Hmm. Yeah, that's that, that answered my question. That's great. So that's the first most frequently asked question. How is this? How, are you a counselor? So what's the next one? Next one is so what happens? What do you do? Because I think people get really nervous. Like, oh, are we gonna? <laughs> turn off the lights and light a candle. And am I going to, they just don't know what's going to happen. So I usually every, I'll tell you this, every session is different. I usually start with something from scripture because I feel like it's so grounding. And usually I will start with reading part of a Psalm. We might do a, a slow reading of scripture called Lectio Divina. I may even take a narrative from the gospels to remind people of this is who Jesus is. And we get running fast in lives. And then just to come and just say, okay, let's just listen to this for a minute. It can be very grounding. I also love to pray to open a session and then say, if I were talking to you, Garrick, say, Garrick, okay, when you're ready, just take a moment and be silent before the Lord and let your soul uncoil. When you're ready, you say amen. Hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, just a few seconds, be like, amen. They know what they want to talk about. Let's go. I've been with some people minutes five, six, seven minutes, they need to just have some space with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going into silence and solitude with God sometimes can be a little unnerving. But when I'm in the room and I'm also just with them in the silence, suddenly there's more, there's more texture. It's, it's not just this gap of what's happening. Why is it quiet? It's like, oh no, Susan's with me. Like we're going together into the throne room of grace God is meeting us. You take as long as you need to take. And they're like, oh, thanks. I needed that. Like, yeah, we all do. And again, it's one of those things that can come out with you. And that is another piece. I'm just struck by that idea of like putting things on the Lord where you start with that moment in silence and then you associate the feeling that you had maybe heading into that direction session. The anxiety, Garrick, you're saying like maybe sometimes trying to find things to talk about when you have that same sense of rush and anxiety in your body, you can remember, Mm -hmm. oh, taking space and saying amen when I'm ready, that will be the key to handling this moment well. That's really poetic, but also powerful language. The idea of in spiritual direction, part of what you're doing is you're uncoiling yourself in God's presence. I, I think we need to sit with that as a people for a moment, just because I think one of the gifts that spiritual direction brings, we are usually running, most of us, too fast. And when you're running too fast, you have things happen throughout your day that I think impact your soul. 
that you never take the time to sit and wonder and unpack. Yes. Wait, what was that about? How did that impact me? What am I thinking about that now? What is my response? And, you know, emotionally, what am I feeling about this? And I think uh, just speaking, speaking from personal experience, I found that spiritual direction is always that opportunity to uncoil from the last couple of weeks. And I often find this is what I was trying to get at this, the point that I made earlier. Sometimes I would, I would come to it unsure of, oh, I need, I, you know, I need to talk about this or that. But as we would sit and listen for what Susan says, the ultimate guide, the Holy Spirit, something would come up that I'd be like, oh, this is something that I need to talk about and address. And it's been there all along, but I've been running so fast over the last two or three weeks that it's just sitting in the background. Mm -hmm. And the real gift of it is to uncoil that and go, oh, okay, what is this? What is there? What's the gift? What's the opportunity? What's the work? And so it's not just piling up in the background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so well said. You know, I follow the person that I'm sitting with. So wherever they're going, I follow them. I don't come in with an agenda. I don't have a plan Hmm. because I know the Holy Spirit is going to take it. And many times as people are talking, suddenly they'll have an idea. They'll have a memory. Something will come to mind that they didn't have until they started talking about it. It happens often. And so I'm like, okay, I'm following you. And um, I love... I love what Alice Farling, she, she says, you know, in spiritual direction, we welcome whatever part of the soul chooses to reveal itself. We welcome it in love where there's no judgment, just like whatever you have to offer, let's consider this significant. Um, and I agree with Garrick. I think that we are running really, really fast, really hard. Our worlds are loud. And many times we don't have space where we can be heard. And we need to have some space where someone can just witness and experience with us what has happened to us. And there's something else, the the great gift that I've received in it is there's power in somebody reflecting back the truth of scripture to you Mm -hmm. in their words. Mm -hmm. So when you're working through something or you're talking about something and you're thinking about where is God in this, what could his hand be up to? And you're asking questions and you're exploring and doing some of that journey and that work in that reminder of this is who you are, or this is who God is, or this is who Christ is in this moment. Very rarely have I been told something that I didn't know, mm-hmm. but having somebody else communicate it into that space that I'm working through really tethers it and anchors it in a way that I can't do for myself. I can't stop in my processing and going, okay, now remember. God loves you, or you're a beloved child of God, or God has always found faithful. But when it comes from somebody else sitting with you in the journey, that truth, I think, just is so much easier to grab a hold of, or maybe it it hits my soul, speaking from my experience in a different way, which is just a real gift of anchoring us into the biblical truth mm-hmm. that we know, but it's now being applied in a in kind of a in-context moment in our lives. Yeah, I was talking to somebody recently about how the negative self-talk sticks so much more than anything positive. And I think in a spiritual direction, 
contacts, somebody to be able to sit there and say the truth, the positivity. I think that's really powerful. And enough of those moments will help to neutralize and maybe even override some of the negative self-talk. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful from the place of scripture too. And I think in therapy, you know, Susan, like you were saying, like the dual track is so crucial for somebody who knows your mind and how the emotional, physiological, biological responses, and they can speak to that and say, Here's, here's the truth of your body right now. And that's powerful. But as we know, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we're more than just bodies, mm-hmm. right? And so to have somebody be able to speak to your soul as well, I think that's really powerful. I think it's a really good plug for spiritual direction mm-hmm. I, to, to have somebody who can speak to your soul in a way that feels as healing, as a breakthrough, as a breakthrough therapy session might feel. That, that's That's awesome. It's possible, which it just reinforces how much we need to have a stress on confidentiality and yeah. lack of judgment and, and honesty mm-hmm. because, you know, we are God's creation. We are always standing in relation to our creator, whether we are praising him, whether we are angry with him, whether, you know, we're ignoring him or whether we're absolutely in surrender to him. It doesn't matter. We're always in relation to him, but we need to have a place where we can be honest enough to say, you know, God and I are not getting along right now. You know, he's in his corner, I'm in mine, and... And I'm choosing to be there. I'm choosing to be there, and, you know, it's detente. I mean, we're not mm. going at it, but it's detente. It's been like that for months. Where can we say that and still feel like, okay, you're welcome. The Lord is not going to be unseated from his throne because of how you're reacting. Mm-hmm. Right. But I can enter in mm. with you. I can journey with you. Well, these are good questions, and I can't wait to hear the third one because these have spawned some pretty good moments here, Susan. So it's the third most common one. Why is it called spiritual direction if you're not directing people (laughs) to solutions or fixing things? Direct my life. Give me the answer. Oh, man. I have had many, especially undergrads, because when you're learning, you're going through this practicum, and I'm sitting with undergrads, and they would just look at me and say, well, what should I do? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as though I'm a like a quasi parent. Yeah. Like, tell me what oh, to do. I can't imagine how yeah. quasi parent you had to feel sometimes. <laughs> and wanting to just kind of keep it open. Let's just keep this conversation open. Like, what options have you thought of? Where do you feel like God's leading you? It just it has nothing to do with me because it really is. The Holy Spirit is nudging them, but they can't feel it yet, or they don't know it yet. So, you know, I would say often when we are in an emotional or spiritual pain or a season of confusion, we need someone to be with us in the frustration to hear us out. Hmm. And once we've been heard, we are more able to listen to suggestions. When solutions or even like scripture is offered too quickly, it can feel very distancing. Like the person disseminating the solution or giving the scripture is kind of above it all. And the person who's in pain can be left feeling like, oh, you just want this to get fixed so that we're done. You know, I I need a little bit more time. Like, I've been wrestling with this for a while. Can you be with me in it? And sometimes the solutions just come too fast and that just creates this distance. I want to create, like, no, I'm I'm with you. We're walking together on this journey. The spiritual director doesn't have the answers. God does. The reality is the Holy Spirit really is the perfect counselor. Hmm. He's sent by God the Father and God the Son to be our counselor and to guide us. But we will be, the spiritual director will be the companion on the journey. It reminds me of when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples. And he just journeys with them. And they don't even see him for a while. You know, I want to be one of those disciples. Like, I'll walk with you. We may not even see Jesus for a while. And then, just like, suddenly he's there. And the Holy Spirit's like, okay, this is where I was bringing you all along.
long. Mm-hmm. And we just need to create some space for that to happen. And I think in our fast paced society, in the way that we expect everything now all the time as quickly as possible, creating space is not, not attractive, you know, to, to sit with somebody, to journey with somebody, for somebody to even say, we're not going to see Jesus. We might not get there as fast as you want. I can imagine people get pretty frustrated with that, but it's in that frustration that I feel like we really grow. And Garrick, I want to kick it over to you for a second. What is your history? You've mentioned a couple times, like a little bit of your perspective, but your history of spiritual direction, when did it first enter your life? Mm-hmm. And what's your relationship like with it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, first entered my life, I had an opportunity to uh, step into direction uh, when I was on staff at Rolling Hills and met with a spiritual director there for a good year, year and a half. Th- this might be good to communicate. Like eventually I just decided like I didn't think that we were a great match and I ended up mm-hmm. seeking out another director and that was a great move. Hmm. So that, that was a, a really good move. And for me, I think it's just become part of my, what I would say of what I need to do t- and something that I put in my schedule that helps me grow and helps me stay healthy, right? Just that, that ongoing rhythm of a place to have somebody journey with me and the questions that I have or the experiences that I'm having and can help me, you know, repeat back to me and kind of say, this is what I'm hearing from you, which I feel like I often kind of need as I'm verbally processing kind of what's taking place in my heart and my life. So it's become a, a really important practice in my own life of, understanding where is the hand of God in this and how might he be stretching me, growing me, you know, giving opportunity. I would say spiritual direction is like any other means of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes means of grace is another euphemism for a spiritual discipline. Yeah. There's nothing magical about these things. Yeah. It's along the lines of journaling, fasting, scripture memorization, whatever it takes for us to open our hearts to the Lord and allow him to work on us is a conscious act of surrender. And so for many of us, having somebody else with us in that journey can help us open our hearts a little bit more. But I see spiritual direction along with all of these other means of grace. They themselves are not, that's not the ticket. It's just what is going to help us open our heart and say, okay, God, I'm open, do surgery. Let's look at this, what needs to get changed together. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think of like Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Really, it's somebody to, it's trying to help you do that. And that can be so refreshing, so rewarding, so helpful, right? And that's where this comes in as a, we've encouraged people to jump on board with this, with this means of grace, with this spiritual discipline, with this practice, with putting this rhythm in your life, because we believe that it's going to help you be formed into the image, attitude, and character of Christ. reason we believe that is because, you know, in this series of layers, it's acknowledging there are so many layers to our life. Mm -hmm. Spiritual direction helps you with that. There are so many layers to your heart that sometimes you get to one layer and you're talking about what really frustrated you and you're processing with the Lord, why am I so frustrated with this or so frustrated with you? And then the Spirit takes you down to another layer of you're frustrated Mm. because of this. And so I I just think it's a, it's a really good tool practice rhythm that helps us recognize that we are people that live in layers. And this is an opportunity to explore those layers with the Holy spirit. Cause ultimately 
as the Holy Spirit's work is trying to form us more and more into Christ, you have to deal with the reality of the depth of your layers. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, and, and, and this is the whole thing of why spiritual direction is part of this and this whole series is because if I have an issue going on in my life, and we may have talked about this last time, if I have an issue going on in my life, I can't just come to a Bible verse and have the truth of the Bible verse fix me. Now, I won't be fixed without that truth, but if I'm really going to solve an issue in my life of being, let's say, a lack of a patient person, I can't just quote scripture to myself and then just become patient. I have to do the exploration of the layers of my life and heart to go, what makes me impatient? And Lord, you've got to weed that stuff out. And spiritual direction is one of the most helpful tools that I've found to, to engage in that journey. clear that this is like a deep, rich idea, a deep, rich practice. And it's something like you mentioned, Megan, my wife, who's a therapist, and I watched her go through all her schooling, all her training, all of her tests and stuff. So Susan, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your training is like, how a spiritual director is, I don't want to say knighted, but it does sound like something very, very <laughs> official. Like there's the group that the governing body that tells you you can do it. What, what is that training like? And then when you are going through this, how long does it take? What kind of hours are you putting in? How many hours do you have to put in like in training before you're an actual spiritual director? Like, you know, like pragmatically, how do you become what you are? So uh, through the Institute of Spiritual Formation at Talbot, which is, you know, a conservative theological seminary. And they do not knight you there. They do not knight you there. No, (laughs) not at all. There is theological coursework that we take along with and people who are also taking courses for their MDiv or their THM. So uh, there's, um, there's just courses in hermeneutics and systematic theology, Bible exposition and church history. So we need to be grounded in understanding what the Bible is telling us. How do we read it accurately? How do we understand it? How do we make sense of it for others as well? And then there's a two-year practicum, and that includes learning from other spiritual directors. What is this art form? As well as sitting under supervision, you are you are taped as you practice with undergrads at Biola. Um, your tapes are reviewed, um, and that takes uh, two years. So for me, it took five years. Um, they say you can do it in four or three. I don't know anyone who has. I think a lot of people take six or seven. Imagine the filming. That must be so stressful. Like, I can't imagine. I can't even watch some of my sermons, let alone them filming me do something as intimate and as revealing as this. It's just audio tapes. Oh. But yes. <laughs> It's just audio tapes, but it's very. There's no other way to learn. Yeah. In fact, I would say for me, there was so much to unlearn. I had to unlearn uh. the way I prayed and the way I was. I thought I was offering comfort, and I wasn't. I thought I was asking really great, open-ended questions, and I wasn't. I thought I understood how to be with people in pain, and I had no idea. So I had to unlearn so much mm. of what I had picked up along the way through just being in church. I'm like, oh, this is actually not very helpful. And the only way to do that is to have someone listen to a tape and say, okay, in grace, let me show you another way. Oh, wow. In grace. That's how Garrick does all of my uh, employer reviews. (laughs) (laughs) In grace, let me show you another way. Because I want to learn to listen the way Jesus does. Yeah. You know, and this is something I wanted to say earlier is I love the fact Adam McHugh in his book, The Listening Life, he talks about how God 
is the creator of the universe. He is the unopposed authority on every topic. He has the first word. He has the last word. He does not need to listen to anybody. He is the ultimate authority, and yet he chooses to listen to us. And he gives away power to us as he listens. Like Jesus listened to the woman at the well. He Hmm. listened to Nicodemus when he came at night. He listened to the guy on the cross next to him. Hmm. He listened to the guy on the cross on the other side taunting him. He will stoop down and give dignity to who we are and listen to us because he wants to be in relationship with us. And so if, if I can listen, I can give someone maybe 45 minutes of experiencing, if I can do this, imagine a perfect God who can listen to you perfectly in prayer. Like, let's practice praying to the perfect listener together and so that people can grow in feeling like, yeah, I can be really honest with God. It's okay. Mm. But I, I, I'm not trained so that I have more authority or that I'm the expert in the room. I am trained into humility so that I, I can kind of let go of who I thought I was and like, how can I be with you, Hunter? How can I be with you, Garrick? Like, what's happening with you guys? Where is, where is God leading you? Mm-hmm. I don't need to have the answers. It's not about me like, I'm going to guide this conversation and we're going to take it on home. No, no. We're going to leave it as open as possible. I have no idea where the Holy Spirit's going to take us. And sometimes it's a wild ride. It's unpredictable. But that's mm-hmm. when things can really happen. Well, it's also not rational. I, I, the whole thing that you keep saying, it keeps coming to my mind, like this doesn't make a ton of like rational sense to sit with somebody and journey. You can journey alone. You can, you can ask questions of yourself. You know, you can read your Bible. You can pray. It doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense to do this. And I'm not saying this to be disparaging. I'm saying this to say, this is probably where a lot of people's tension with this comes. It's like, why would I do this? Why would I sit with somebody? Why would I do all these things? But Susan, the picture that you're painting is of listening. And I think that's the thesis that I'm gathering here. Like we can uncoil and we can sit with somebody and that person isn't just a cold presence to tell us what's wrong with us and how to fix us and what we can do next. It's a person who can listen. And I think in our highly anxious, our highly connected, and our highly technological culture, listening is a lost art. We always are just, mm-hmm. okay, what's my next thing? What's coming next? What, well, you know, uh, we have 50 things running. I mean, maybe it's just me. I have 50 things running through my head when I'm talking to somebody. But to know that there's space carved out for the person to listen to me as they listen to God and then are able to journey with me, I think that's all you need to know. Like that is such a valuable thing. And in the life of the church in throughout history, is this something common? Is this something new or is this something that people have been doing forever? And we Americans just caught on late like usual. Well, I wouldn't say we caught on late. It's very ancient. It's very old since like the third and fourth century Christians have been participating in this, but it really started with the desert mothers and fathers Mm. where people would leave the cities wanting to get out of comfort actually, and go out to visit the desert, the desert mothers and fathers who were great theologians to ask for wisdom and to have them sit with them. And then the Catholics um, kept the practice alive through the monastery. And it's still very much a part of um, Protestant faith, Catholic faith, Greek Orthodox faith, I think in um, the Protestant tract, we are far more um, concerned with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is the only power that can actually bring change to us characterologically. We can't do it on our own. The only one that can help us in terms of seeing and tackling our sin, and then also grounding more in the Word of God. Hmm. So I would say those are two aspects that are 
I wouldn't say unique to Protestant faith in terms of practice of spiritual direction, but they're hallmarks. Garrick, I want to kind of end here with you. You had mentioned like layers, like this is, this is why we're so excited about spiritual direction, but as a pastor, how do you want to compel people in this sermon series to engage with what we're offering? And we can talk specifically what we're offering, but how, how are you going to compel people to jump into this? I hope to bring a very practical understanding of the value that it brings to your journey with God and your relationship with Christ. Hmm. That, that I, that while a session or two you might have, if you step into it, you might go interesting. It might not be right there on the surface for you, but I know for sure that if you step into the practice and keep a rhythm that it will be part of what God will use to bear much fruit. And so that's that's why we're providing opportunity. That's why we're saying, hey, we want everybody to experience this and give this a try because we really believe that it, it has value. It has value in what the Lord's gonna do to help you understand the layers of your life and the places where the Holy Spirit might be poking around to say, I want to look at this. I want you to begin to think about this. I want you to maybe grow in this or grow out of this, kind of whatever you might find there. So that's 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 my hope, right? And you know, if I can give one last thing, I was thinking about Romans 12, 2, right? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Mm-hmm. That idea there is in a a passive verb that we are being transformed, that God is the one doing the work. And back to what Susan said earlier, I wish people could sit on this couch with me and see her excitement, the way her eyes lit up when she talks about God loves us so much, he gives us the dignity to listen to us. And isn't that what we're supposed to replicate when we go out in the world as witnesses? I think so often we're so quick to want to run to, when do I get to tell you my truth? When do I get to tell you my truth? And I think that's probably some of the work that you have undone in your training, Susan, of you don't have to rush to get to an answer, but there is growth and beauty and relationship with Christ being offered in the journey. And so reminding people that you do this work in spiritual direction so that you're formed, so that you can go live life like Christ lived life on this earth, Hmm. so that we have an opportunity. So I guess I would end by saying my hope is that people would experience God's presence and uncoiling in his presence so that they can go down some layers of their heart and life and not just stop there. I mean, that's part of it. Yes, Romans 12, 2, be transformed. I want that to happen. But as that transformation happens... Then we're sent out into the world being Christ and offering listening and open ears without judgment, which it often can only happen when we've experienced that with Christ ourselves. It's kind of a... Did that, was that compelling? I, Does I'm that make you want to yeah. give it a go? I'm compelled. I'm compelled. <laughs> it makes me want to give it a go more than when I was forced to as a Talbot student. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. no, I'm thinking it is a little bit like the creation mandate of to be fruitful and multiply. And I think that there's obviously a clear biological call there, but there's also this spiritual call to create more images of God. And sometimes it is just going and representing Christ to people. And I think there's this idea that it has to be like a track and we have to have like apologetics. And when they have these questions, we have these beautiful, you know, answers with 
PowerPoints and timelines and whatever. But what if you could just listen to someone so well that they're like, wait, wait, why are you, why are you so kind to just hear me out? And that's a way to show them the love of Christ and the dignity that God has and how he sees each and every one of us. This is amazing. I, I have learned so much. I feel like I just got a crash course, a primer in spiritual direction, which is amazing. And so, Garrick, maybe you can just really quick close this out and tell us what we're offering specifically for uh, those of us at Coastline. If this has stirred their interest, if they are compelled by your wonderful definition and your pastoral call to spiritual direction, what do we have for them and yep. how are we partnering with Susan? Yep. Coastline is partnering with South Bay Soul Care and Susan and her uh, happy band of spiritual directors. Colleagues. Colleagues. Not knights. Not knights, no. Um, and we're providing 50 slots of spiritual direction. So each one of those, I guess, time periods is 50 minutes or so to go. And we want people the opportunity to experience maybe for the first time, or maybe they did it for a while and they gave it up, but an opportunity to experience spiritual direction. And so Coastline is covering the cost of uh, anybody who wants to go to our website, they will find a link on the front page of our website under spiritual direction. There's a sign up genius there. There's multiple days, multiple times that you can connect with a spiritual director under South Bay Soul Care and go and spend, you know, uh, 50 minutes with them and experience spiritual direction. And we are picking up the cost. And the reason we are doing that is because we believe that this means of grace, this discipline, is so worthwhile that we want people to experience it and step into it. And our hope as we pay for the first one is that you will begin to see what we've known, which is, man, this is really, really fruitful and bears much fruit in my life, and I want to keep this practice going. We've funded it. All you need to do is go to the website. Now, what I would ask is this. If you sign up, show up. Because we're gonna we're gonna fund it whether you show up or not. So only sign up if you're really planning on showing up. But that's what we've made available. I can't imagine people doing one and being like, "Eh, I'm done." I think it's going to be so valuable for so many people. For sure, Susan. When you get that call, hey, we want to get 50 slots of uh, spiritual formation. Obviously, from you know, this is something you're passionate about and excited about. But you also go to Coastline. You know, you're there with us most Sundays. When you sit in that room now and you know that 50 people are going to experience this, what are you thinking for the life of Coastline now? Like, what do you hope to see out of these people who go and engage in spiritual direction? Well, I'm super excited because like with many things having to do with God, I don't know what is going to happen. And, but I'm super excited that I think it's going to be good. When I first got the call, like, hey, we want to offer all of these slots. My first move was to contact Kevin Wu and Nicole Dunnitz, who are the other spiritual directors with yep. South Bay Soul Care and say, hey, my church really wants to offer this. Can you come alongside? Can we pool our time so that we can offer as many slots as possible? And they're like, absolutely. We really believe in this. We really, they're so well, it fits in with your vision, it fits right? In with of, the, that's the whole thing. It fits, it fits in, in with, with your my vision. vision of caring yes. for and walking with the local churches in the South Bay. Yeah. Yes, Nicole is from El Segundo. Kevin is from in Tor- is from Torrance. So this is the whole. This has been my dream. Oh wow! This has Love been my that. whole dream, like from the beginning. Like Lord, I I just don't want this limited. I want to be as open as possible. So I'm like, okay, what are you going to do, God? I'm open. And that's the stance that I've, I'm coming more and more to have in my whole life. I'm open. I, mm-hmm. I, what, what do you want us to do? So mm-hmm. I'm super excited. And I also will say, there may be some people that say, meh, it really wasn't for me. And that's fine. Yeah. That is okay. The Lord has 
people where he wants them. I don't think that this is everyone needs to do this or their life is not the same. You know, it's like, it, this is not everyone. It's not a magic bullet. It's not a magic bullet. It's yeah. not like we're saying this is the curriculum that everyone mm -hmm. is going through. Mm -hmm. No, I think that if God is tugging at your heart and inviting you, sign up and yeah. give it a go. Yep. And if it fits your season, do it. If you're intrigued by it, step into it. Yeah. And thematically with layers, what we've been saying is just step into one thing, yep. you know, and we're inviting you with the doors. Many doors are open now. And as you've been sitting in the sermons and hearing the podcast, you know what we're offering, but this is a door that we're opening and we hope that 50 of you step through it and get a lot out of it. I know I have in, I know I joked about it, but I did, I did enjoy my spiritual direction experience. I'll tell you a story offline, Susan. I think you'll really think it's funny, uh, but thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your schedule, coming all the way from La Mirada, California, <laughs> driving on the 91 to get over here. We really appreciate it. Garrick, thanks for sitting and, uh, expressing a little bit of your experience with spiritual direction. I'm excited. And Susan website, where, how can people get in contact with you if they want to know more? Okay. So if you want to know more, go to southbaysoulcare.com. That's the website. You can see pictures of myself, Nicole and Kevin, <laughs> and you can read a little bit about our bios, or you can email me directly at southbaysoulcare at gmail.com. Really easy. Yeah. But I would recommend that if you're interested in signing up, go to the coastline website and sign up right there on the homepage. We hope many people do. And Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode in our Layers series. Very excited. Talking about prayer, Garrick. Something yes. I know you have done from time to time. From time to time. <laughs> <laughs>